I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am coming to you from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me on the other line, freshly jabbed, new homeowner in the third most expensive city in Canada, it's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Hey, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> this is episode 244 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you would like to go back and listen to any of our other 243 episodes, you can find them wherever you get your audio content, Google, Apple. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Give us a like, follow, subscribe. If you do that, you don't have to worry about new episodes of this program coming to your device because we understand Tuvac Summer is coming. You're itching. You're itching to get out there and do stuff. You are certainly not about to sit around and wait for a podcast. We get it. Thankfully, when you follow or subscribe on any of the aforementioned audio providers, you won't have to because new episodes will be brought to you directly to your device by a man who's been living Tuvac Summer from time immemorial. It is your man's... Chauncey Fasolicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. Oh my god, girl, he's just going to drop those episodes directly into your device. You don't have to do a goddamn thing. No, and he's doing it in between giving people vaccines, so... He's volunteering at pop-up clinics nationwide. Yeah. He's handling You want to know why your, your pop-up clinics, clinic is so, like, well-run? It's because Chauncey's behind it. You want to know whose idea it was to start giving treats? Free burgers at some of the pop-ups? No burgers at my pop-up. Low-key salty about that. Get at me, Chauncey. He won't. He doesn't text me back. No, no, he only texts me. If you got a hookup for some free vaccination burgers, <laughs> I'll just go and lie. <laughs> <laughs> just be like, no, I already, I got a shot months ago. I'm just here for the burger. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter.com slash GeekDownPod. That's where the show lives on the social meds. Get up off Twitter. We had a very eventful day on Twitter today, Caitlin, because I posted the photo of uh, a present from friend of the show, Kayim Dar. He uh, he drew me an illustration of <laughs> the cutest in the world, Queen of the Simps, Mackie fucking Ito. Posted it on the Twitter, tagged her in it, got the like, got the like from the queen herself. Felt good about that. Love it when Senpai notices me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a lo- lot of likes from people we don't know. No new followers, but hey, you know, it's nice to have a little little moment, little moment on the Twitch. A little love, a little, you know, a little warmth. It's not, it's not warm for us. It's love for Kayim, but hey, congrats, Kayim. You, you are a talented artist. He is a talented artist. I don't have much, not much for wall space in the Polly Pocket, though, so I don't know what I'm going to do with this illustration. It will join the file behind my wardrobe, which is filled with all my other art. <laughs> for one day when I one, you... I will one day hang. Yes. If you feel like you want to uh, donate so I can maybe get a bigger apartment and have more wall space, I mean, don't. I live in Toronto. There's no way you could even do it. Also, no. the world is still odd. Save your money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, they, there's thoughts that things are getting better, but you never know what's going to happen. Just just save your change. You might need to melt it down and make a spear out of it or something. <laughs> If the last year has taught us anything, it's just you cannot predict what the future will bring. So live in the moment, and if in the moment you have uh, spear-related needs that have to be met, save your money. It's very important. Melt those nickels down into something sharp. 
just in case. Friends, I alluded to it in her intro. It's momentous week for Caitlin McKinnon in the in the week we took off. Just a plethora, a flurry of life events for Ms. McKinnon. So, so many. When it rains, it pours. First up, we got to check in with the shot clock. To her uh, surprise, I think. I don't know. You 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 talked you talked a lot of game about it was uh, not coming anytime soon, and then I just get a bloop on the old messenger one day, letting <laughs> me know that two days later she's getting her shot. Yeah, um, it was. I mean, I, I I booked it, but the time between when I book it booked it and when I got it was pretty pretty small. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and I was surprised. It's sort of some. I think someone else told me they're like, "Oh, hey, you can sign up for your shot," and the first, it was supposed to open on like a Monday and I don't know if the site crashed or whatever, but I couldn't get in. There were no appointments and I was like, yeah, it's fine. And then the Tuesday, again, there were no appointments and I was like, Oh, it just must be busy. And then third day it was like Wednesday night. And I was like, you know what? Before I, I was like finishing up work. I was like, before I log off, I'll just check the site. And there were tons of appointments. <laughs> and um, the way they did it for us is that you have to book your first and your second appointment. So I know I'm getting my second shot in September unless they move it up, which they might. Um, and yeah, it was very oh. efficient. Friends, right? I, don't, I don't want to assume that by you might have an in-person November crapathon this year, but <laughs> but you never know. It's looking it's looking kind of good. This building will good. this building will explode if we are if we are in person <laughs> screaming about bad movies. But hey, hey, you know what? All your neighbors deserve to hear us be screaming. <laughs> For like two and a half hours. It's been pretty. It's been pretty peaceful around here the last eighteen months. I'm not gonna lie. It's been like you know, thirty seconds of loud music when I record something for Instagram, but that's about a. That's about it. Um, well, you, we better shake things up then <laughs> if we can. So Kate's got first shot. Uh, Mom and Papa yep. Ferguson let me know they got second dose. Nice. Last week, so they're all they're all dosed up. Uh, it seems seems to be rolling along. So. We've had the lowest numbers in Ontario since November. It's, trend, it's trending down. It was like 600 cases, mm-hmm. I think, today, but also like 10,000 fewer tests than they've uh, done. I didn't check the positivity rate, but I mean, here's hoping. We are slated to reopen. At the, the lockdown order, the stay-at-home order, is lifting tomorrow. It's June 1st as we're recording this. June 2nd, the stay-at-home order lifts. Uh, nothing will be open again for another couple weeks. Um, yeah. just means you can... For, for as much as they were enforcing it, I mean, you can go and, like, you know, play volleyball in a public court or play tennis or something like that. Like, it's... Which is great. But it's really hard to do if you can't buy underwear. Why can't you buy underwear? Because there's nowhere... Unless you're going to buy it on Amazon, there's nowhere mm. to buy it. True, yes. That is to say, non-essential retail, including major Canadian retailer, will not be open for another two weeks. So... Yeah. Amazon in your draws. Have Uncle Jeff send you your draws. Um, so that's, that's life update number one for Katie Mack. More momentous. Caitlin bought a house, y'all. I bought a house. Pew, pew, pew. Um, are, are you any more relaxed now that this, uh, that well, part of the headache very, is over? It's, it's very strange because again, I don't know if this is ref- like, this is very similar to other housing markets around the world. Um, or in, you know, Canada, um, specifically Toronto and Vancouver, but the housing market was crazy fast-paced, very competitive, and a lot of stuff was going, you know, getting like a hundred to two hundred 
thousand above asking and already expensive prices. Um, but it's specifically the fast paced pastedness of it. It was, you know, a house would go on the market and within like sometimes 24, sometimes 48, sometimes a week, you would have to already have seen it, make a decision and put in an offer. Um, so there was no like waiting and going back to look at things. It was like, this is your shot to look at it. Um, so it was very much a hurry up and now wait, I, we have bought a house, but we just sort of sit here now for two months until we can, you know, go back and mm. actually move into that house, um, which is very interesting. And we didn't, we were very, very, very lucky. Um, I don't know what, you know, nerd gods thought I deserved the karma but they made it so that our house, we actually technically got it for 15000 under. What? Asking, which does not happen. It d- d- does, does not, not happen. happen. Um, but it, technically because basically the house had been listed for a certain price, and then they relisted it because it had been on the market for so long. There, There is no reason this house should have been on the market for so long. Now, is this the nicest neighborhood in Hamilton? It is not. But it is also by far not the worst neighborhood in Hamilton. Um, and I found out a bunch of things about they're like putting money to like rejuvenate the area mm. and they're putting a lot of money in to help small businesses. Listen, and as we know, in any Canadian city, it takes a lot for a not great area to remain a not great area for long. Eventually, yeah. people are going to move in because the, the real estate values are cheaper. And that is happening. And people are, you know, being very con- look people at, are moving look at in my poor- area. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it. Chris Joe, it's a little bit of a dark joke, but Chris jokes that senior correspondent Chris jokes that if if we don't move in and gentrify, who will? Um, <laughs> so real talk, why lie? Um, so yeah, it, I'm very excited. I'm much less uh, full of anxiety than I was <laughs> even a couple of days ago. Just the, um, just the usual run of the mill anxiety. Yeah, just that you know hum in the background, <laughs> the constant hum in your ears. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that's the story, and I wish everyone who is trying to find a house the best of luck. Again, to reiterate, if you don't did not listen to last episode, and you're like, no, I'm not going to listen to the last episode. I can only do this because of intergenerational wealth. I have told this to every single and person I, mean, I have talked to. And I to. mean, respect to you for always put. I was actually talking to my parents uh, this afternoon, and brought up that you bought a house, and I said, and shouts to her, she always leads with a dismantling of the bootstrap narrative and it's just on yeah. some like this isn't because we stopped eating avocado toast like no no first of all neither of us like avocado toast second of all we don't have money to go out and eat <laughs> like <laughs> so if we're making avocado toast i'm making it at home and then just like ew <laughs> what am i an influencer my god um no we're now our- toronto, toronto life gonna be Doing stories about these two uh, young up-and-comers who bought their first home in Hamilton. and Oh, I they do so many of those. And every time I see it, I want to burn everything down. And then this is, um, why, this is why Hamilton is now the third most expensive city in, in yes. the country. Um, um, and uh, sorry, I just, yes, my, my parents-in-law had given us the money for a down payment as an investment. And thank you to them and... If you are like, oh, she can do it. Why can't I? I didn't do it. 
I did not do it. I, I worked hard to, you know, figure things out and to budget and all of that, but I, I did not do it. Um, and that is very important. Continue uh, buying things off of Amazon and eating your Doritos because that is not – it's going to be systematic change that changes things, yep. not you not eating Doritos. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Caitlin assures me there's room for a podcast studio. <laughs> so There is. I'm very excited. The, the, the main base of the satellite branch might become the main branch in the next year. You never know, friends. A um, little bit of newsies out there kick in. Uh, we mentioned earlier that like, it seems like things are starting to, to an extent, normalize a little bit out there in the world to that end fan expo is happening. Is it? They have pushed it back. They announced this last week. They've pushed it back to October 24th from its usual kind of Labor Day floating dates, weekend dates. Uh, so it's now running October 22nd to 24th and it's limited to 25,000 tickets, I believe. This is down from the typical, like, half a million that they sell, and they're only in, like, one half of the Metro Convention Center. So it's a much more stripped-down event. I don't know anything about celebrities or anything like that. I don't even know if they have any guests. Um, I don't know if we'll get to play uh, Fan Expo Hilo this year or not. But um, if you already bought a pass for this year's original dates, it will be transferred to the October dates. And if you would like to cancel... That is available to you as well. Just go to their website. Um, so, yeah. And if you want a ticket, you should probably move fast because there's like, you know, a tenth of the usual available uh, attendance opportunities. So that's nice, I guess. I, I, I guess, but I also, you know, I think, I don't know if we mentioned it on the show or if you sent it to me or somebody sent it to me, which is just basically, it was like the Twitter um a tweet that was like, why I won't stop wearing a mask. And it was basically like every other line was like, I don't trust y'all. <laughs> yeah. I just don't, I, I don't trust that someone who doesn't have like horrible, you know, COVID signs is not going to cough on me while at a convention center. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I don't trust y'all. It's, it's interesting. I was ta also talking to, I've had a very, if my voice starts to go friends, it's because I've had a much more uh, unexpectedly verbose day than I usually have. I had a long chat with Mr. Mosh and a long chat with my folks today. And, uh, he was saying he's, you know, optimistically bought concert tickets for October. You know, everybody's starting to, starting to dip their toes out again and have a little optimism. Uh, but he's also like, it's like, I bought the tickets, but... <laughs> Yeah, how comfortable am I going to yeah. be? Now, I know in America, because I think the CDC hands out, like, vaccination cards, I think you have to present those before you uh, even get into these places, and even then it's masked. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, I don't know when I would feel comfortable, even at, like, a fraction of the attendance, I don't know when I would feel super comfortable going out into, like, a concert or, you know, a sporting event, by sporting event, I mean wrestling, but, you know. <laughs> something something like that or a convention you know i was getting you know the google photos anniversary you know four years ago today you know oh, whatever that was the last time oh. I, it was the last time i went to anime north right that was that was the weekend yeah. i went to anime north and you know you shit you've been to anime north more in the last two years than i have and like it would have been this weekend probably this weekend or last weekend so i don't yeah yeah Nice that it's coming back. If you're going and you're cool with it and you want to go, you have the opportunity. Let us know. 
how it went for y'all. Um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully it all goes off without any issues. Uh, one other item of note that I felt like bringing up, because even though I know we talked off mic, I know Caitlin doesn't have a ton of updates, but she has a lot to say about the thing we talked to, I brought this week. So we want to get through this and get to the back half. Um, we talked when the first drop of, uh, castings for the Netflix Sandman adaptation had come out, there has been another batch of many iconic characters uh, announced for the Netflix Sandman adaptation, including... So many characters! So many characters! <laughs> including uh, most of the Endless. We're still missing a couple in there. One that Caitlin is very vocal yes, about. Yes, we are! Where is Delirium? Jesus, calm down. <laughs> I need to know, Jordan. We have uh, Mason Alexander Park as Desire. I believe they are non-binary, which makes sense because Desire is also. Um, We have Donna Preston as Despair. Who else is in here worth noting? Uh, Roseanne Jamal as Lita Hall. Uh, Your boy, Stephen Fry as Gilbert, a.k.a. Fiddler's Green. Patton Oswalt voicing Matthew the Raven. David Thewlis as your man, John D. A.K.A. Dr. Destiny. I don't know how much they'll lean into that on this show because it's like a DC character. But uh, yep. And the biggest headline here was the announcement of Death, the one of the most iconic characters in the Sandman and in comics and kind of general uh, for the last, like, you know, 40 years. If you've met a goth girl, she probably looks like Death. Mm-hmm. And this will be played by Kirby Howell Best Baptiste, who I know best from uh, later seasons of The Good Place. Um, I don't recall her name in the good place, but she was the other, she was like the neuroscientist professor in Australia who she was good in season two or three. I don't recall which season three, I think, uh, yeah. she first appeared and through the, uh, remainder of the series as is to be expected. <laughs> what? What are you, what are you talking about? People have had opinions as they always will. People shouldn't have when opinions. Something, keep opinions. When a character who is a uh, pasty white concept be- is going to be played by a concept of color. Uh, Neil Gaiman has been amazing on Twitter this week. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has. I, I actually, even though I don't go out into the world of Twitter, I have seen some of his responses and they have been iconic. The best one he had was, I saw it this morning. Somebody was like, this would be like if you uh, had Mazikeen from Lucifer played by a white woman. And Neil Gaiman was like, I'm actually explaining to someone that in the comics, Mazikeen was white. (laughs) And for the show, she's being played by an actress of color. So he didn't say this. This is my wording. Shut up. (laughs) You could shut the fuck up. (laughs) Just shut up. Kirby Howell Baptiste is great. Yeah, and she's and I think she she got she's got the range. The thing about death and the most like amazing thing about the character is the things that Gaiman put into it regarding like it's not a thing to be feared. Like her personality yeah. is like she's like a in anime we would call it a Genki girl. Like she's like. She's so happy-go-lucky and cheery and just, like, mm-hmm. it's her job. 
Yep. She knows it's her job. Her job is to go and meet people and escort people across whatever. Weirdly, death is the one who's... He's more death-like than you would like, more Reaper-like than than she is. He, dream, dream, you mean Morpheus? Yes. What did I say? You said death, but you didn't believe you meant. Morpheus. Oh, I meant I meant dream. Sorry, is is much more what you would expect, and he gets much more like sensitive to it. I remember I what that. the hell was it? The first comics I bought, one of the first comics I bought, definitely one of the first. Uh, Sandman comics I bought was a one shot based around the myth of Orpheus and you working his, you know, the thing about the Sandman, if you don't know anything about it, it works a lot in like world myth and putting these characters because every, this is Neil's jam and it's been his jam from time, right? He's like always working kind yeah. of in world myth and folklore and stuff like that because all of these world myths and folklore have a death God, have a dream God, have, you know, things like that. So his kind of idea was that they're not gods, they're concepts. They're the endless. That's different. Um, and there's a scene in this where he, you know, so um, Orpheus has lost his wife. Um, Eurydice, was that her name? I can't remember. I think it was Eurydice. Um, all the classic, uh, all the classical studies heads are going to come at me for this one. But No, no, no. Uh, sorry. Are you saying Morpheus's wife? No, or Orpheus's wife. Orpheus. Oh, yes. Orpheus's. Um, she has died at their wedding, blah, blah, blah. He's all upset. He calls his aunt, that being Death, because Orpheus is the son of Morpheus' dream. And yep. Death is like, hey, cool, let's have a chat. And brings him to her realm, which looks like a single girl's apartment in New York circa 1992. <laughs> like, there's like an umbrella basket and, uh, you know, a Matisse hanging on the wall and like a fishbowl. <laughs> like, that's yeah. that's her. Um and the whole thing is, I think Gaiman's been on record as saying this is like, you know, you fall in love with her when you meet her. She's not supposed to be scary. He wanted to make death not be a thing to be feared. And, like, it doesn't matter if, you know, an actress of color is playing her. She will have, from what I've seen of her even in The Good Place, she's going to be able to carry the personality. And it's 90% styling anyway, y'all. Like, <laughs> And also, the, the like you said, these are these are concepts. And even though well, it wouldn't matter if it, if it was her actual form anyways, in, but just, yeah. In some of the best retweets, and Neil was retweeting these because a lot of people made similar jokes, like, throughout the series, if the idea is that, like, Dream, he doesn't mostly with Dream, but, like, Dream will change his appearance based on what, you know. The role requires. A pantheon, right? So when he's in Africa, he looks like a black man when he's <laughs> the ca there was one famous story where like the cats have a dream god and he's like a black cat with glowing red eyes and those were all the type of jokes that were being made like everybody knows dream can only be played by a black <laughs> by a black cat made of smoke with red glowing eyes and i refuse to watch this show until they <laughs> respect the original <laughs> the original work or like in um and oh it wasn't called endgame <laughs> it was not called endgame it was called something else overture Sandman Overture, which was like the kind of prequel to Sandman number one. Um, there's like a plant version of him because <laughs> there's some like alien plants that have <laughs> sentient plants that have a dream God. And it's like if dream isn't played <laughs> by a by a Venus black and white Venus flytrap with a fire tail. <laughs> it's not then we don't want it. It's not worth watching. Higher fans, LOL. Um, 
So yes, it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Even some of the concerns that people have said, like Netflix has had a habit lately of kind of cutting shows off at their like second or third season. Like it's a longer, uh, larger industry talk about how like for Netflix, the money isn't in long shows at this point. They don't really care if a show hits their you know fourth, fifth season. It's just like hit it and quit it. Can we hit it and quit? Um, yeah. Get your one or two on the discourse. Like like Stranger Things is like long in the tooth at this point. They're coming back for season four. That'll probably be it. I know. Glow got canceled after they started season four. Like it's just that's kind of been the mood. And somebody was like replying to Neil saying, "I hope there was some you know legal mumbo jumbo in there to prevent that from happening." And Neil was just like, "There is." So I think they're guaranteed a certain amount of episodes beyond season one. So fingers crossed for that. It's going to be great. You're going to watch it. It's going to be like, like what did Neil said? It's like his goal has always been to write Sandman stories for people who love Sandman. So yeah, that's and, and probably what this will to, be. And he wrote back to one fan, someone saying like, does he not like give a shit or something? He's like, I have spent... Yeah. 30 years giving a shit. Do you have I any see. idea how many bad versions of Sandman I have shut down? <laughs> yeah, so I did see that tweet. Somebody was like, you know, implied that he didn't give a fuck. He's like, I give all the fucks about the work. I give zero fucks about people who want to harp about this bullshit. Like, and, and fans who don't even understand the work. Yeah. So, shouts to Neil. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. This is just a great... I don't know who Donna Preston is, but the, the headshot they attached for her uh, despair casting was like was so oof, good. Oof, that's good. Yeah. Uh, also, I sent you some fan art, and I think you should take a look at it. Just now you sent me some fan art? I did. I mean, come on. I assume, I don't know if this was done with Kirby Hall Baptiste in mind, or just, you know, a black woman as death, but it's fine, y'all. It's fine. It's great. Like she I said, amazing. it's 90% styling. You put her in a fucking black spaghetti strap tank top. <laughs> <laughs> Make her look with like a, she's straight out of the 90s. With an onk necklace and put that little IRA under her, put that little curl under her eye. It's fine. It's, it's going to be fine. <sighs> anyway, uh, Kate said she didn't have many updates, but she did have some things two weeks ago she wanted me to write down. So I'm going to remind her of these things. Uh, Kate. Yes. You wanted to talk about Ghibli movies. Yes, I know it's Ghibli. I refuse to correct myself. Yes, I do. I want to talk about them because I watched a bunch of them. <laughs> and I'm of ones I haven't uh, watched before, um, and in some in some cases I watched some I've watched many times, like Spirited Away, because uh, it brings me to my happy place. Mm-hmm. Um, same with My Neighbor Totoro oh, or God, yes. Delivery Service. Um, Prince Mononoke is occasionally a hard hang because sad things happen, but it, like it's intense. It was one of maybe it, the, intense. It was there one we of the, go. I think it was one of the first ones I watched because it was like the first one that really got uh, a North American release. Like you just go to cinema one or HMV or something and buy the DVD. So I think that might've been one of the first Ghibli movies I ever saw. Maybe that and Nasuka right. were the first two. Right. Yes. So, um, but I watched some more I hadn't seen before, but in one case it was weird because I was very disappointed, but not disappointed for the reason you'd think I was disappointed. Hmm. And if I hadn't thought about, this being what I thought it was going to be, and it had just been what it was, then I wouldn't have been disappointed. Okay. So Whisper of the Heart. Mm -hmm. The poster for Whisper of the Heart is a character, uh, a lady, a young woman, 
going on an adventure with a very dapper cat. The magical cat, right? Yeah. There is no fucking magical cat in this movie. Huh? There is a statue of a magical cat, and that is all. What? And, and you think, you think through the whole movie, this magical cat is going to come alive <laughs> and take her on, a, on an adventure, and it never happens. Instead, she pr- gets proposed to and accepts the marriage proposal of a 13-year-old at, like, 13. Like, that is the weird thing that happens. No magical cat. But they were both 13, right? Yes. Okay. And it, it was weird, and... And but also, but the movie was like it was so good, it was beautiful. Um, every time I see any type of like uh, Ghibli, Ghibli movie, um, any type of movie where something or or uh, uh, oh, what's the one we watched with the cute one with the raccoon boy and oh, uh, Poco Zudon World. Yeah, um, any type of of thing that has any shots of sort of sort of Japan through the eyes of anime, I'm like, I'm gonna move to Japan. <laughs> That's what I think. And this is where we did the same thing. It was just like the, a, uh, an area of Tokyo that was like, it was on a hill, and I was like, I'm moving to Tokyo. I'm gonna move there. Um, Beautiful movie needs more cat. Magical cat. Now, did they make a, a movie about the magical cat? Yes, they did. Who's the cat returns, right? Yes, but the cat was never there in the first place. <laughs> I was disappointed. Did you watch the that cat returns? Not... No, I did not. Okay. I haven't watched it yet Legend. because we've been playing Mass Effect Legendary Edition. <laughs> This is like a this is like Final Fantasy remake for uh, Mass Effect, or just like a upscale, like for current gen systems. Uh no, they 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 made it prettier, <laughs> and they changed a couple things. Okay, um, but it it's weird because I don't remember what it used to look like. <laughs> you know, when you just have an image in your mind. I'm sure if I we played the old version, I would be like, uh. Um, but the new version, it's great. We really love the Mass Effect games. I know every so often I, I talk about them and I'm like, we're playing them again. Look, we like what we like. We really like the writing. We love Femship. We stand for her. Um, also, this ties into a thought about how there might be too much content when was the last time you rewatched something that you had just watched? In its original, it all the time. In its original I, format, because I'll, no, I'll get to that. No, not in its original format. Just like I used to watch movies over and over and over again, or TV shows. I don't know how many times I've seen Firefly. Don't ask me that. Don't come for me. Um, but. I just now, even if I liked something, like really liked it, I'm like, I may never watch that again. I always get, I feel like that about books. Every time people say like, I've read this book 13 times, I'll be like, oh, that I I can't do. What? No. How? The movie thing, I think, I hear with movies and I think that owes a lot to um, like those of us who came up in like cable culture. We're just like, yeah, you know, yes, I can say I've seen Twister like 17 times because you're bored on a Saturday and it's just on. But if you have no, to, like, like, if you have to pick your content yourself, yeah, no, who's it's not really happening much anymore. I think it was because you know there we only had you bought your DVDs or VHSs, and right. so you watched those over and over again. But even I'm gonna say 
maybe even five years ago, I would rewatch something quite often. But the only thing recently I've rewatched, there are two things, mm. are episodes from season two of The Mandalorian, because <laughs> I like them so much, mm-hmm. um, and Gravity Falls. Well, I mean... All aboard the brain train! Come on now. Yeah, I think that's that's about it. I have I have watched a couple movies over again, but not but older, like not that have come out in the last five years or ten years, or I've watched in the last five years. It's just very I find it very strange, um, and I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's just like the amount of content, so you feel like oh, I can't rewatch this. I have so many other things to watch. Um, or if just things are made, like you were talking about with Netflix, right? They want the the new thing. Right. And then they're like a kid who doesn't know how to take care of their stuff. They're just going to like huck their <laughs> toy out the window and just get a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, other than that, speaking of rewatching things, uh, Poirot is the best and David Suchet deserves all the accolades. Kate. And what? Can I jump ahead and blow your mind a little bit? Sure. I watched 10 minutes of Poirot last weekend. <laughs> wow. What? Okay. Okay. I don't remember what episode it was. It was uh, the opening had to do with... <laughs> the opening had to do with, uh, I think it was wartime, some army base, and these two women, and one woman was, like, stealing intelligence or something, and she went and, like, she got followed by, by, by the second woman she worked with. And then, like, she spotted her, but then the first woman spotted her spying on her, and, like, while she was making the drop-off, and then she was chasing her down, and she's like, no, come back here, and, like, blah, 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 and they run out into the street, and they both get hit by a bus. <laughs> oh, it might be it might be after season five. Um, and when they got hit by a bus, I was like, wow. And then I turned to someone cute, and was like, let me just wait till Sue shows up. Let me get, let me get my hit of, hit of the Sue show. He was sitting watching a play, and he was a bit displeased, and we said, okay, that's enough. <laughs> Aw, too bad. You didn't get to see the, the full sush effect. <laughs> the sush effect. Uh, oh my god, that that's the spin off that's the that's Caitlin's spin off podcast of this show when she when she when she installs the studio the in her new home. <laughs> Welcome to the sush effect. Well, apparently an article that I read only the headline of the other day told me that celebrities are ruining 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 podcasts, so I can't start one now. Celebrities are ruined podcasts. Interesting. Apparently, yeah. I'll have to look that up. That's a that's a that's a medium take for you. <laughs> um, also, I've been watching The Bad Batch. I I don't want to use the. I was about to say The Bad Batch begrudgingly. No, it's fine. It's um, but you know, I think I think senior correspondent uh, Chris is liking it a little bit more than I am. I don't dislike it. It was when we, when we did the run, when we did the rundown of the Disney flex, uh, late last year, when it came to the bad, bad shit, you were out front early. It's kind of like, yeah, wasn't really like, it it wasn't the lead interest in all the uh, stuff. No, it is. It is better than I thought it was going to be, but it's still not, it's not the Mandalorian. Sidebar, I have no interest in talking about Eternals or the recent trailer that was announced, uh, or not announced, but re- revealed. Um, I do want to talk about uh, a story that came out about uh, Kevin Feige going to Chloe Zhao and being like, how did you ever get these, how did you get these effects to look that good? And Chloe Zhao just being, that's the ocean. What? This, oh is my a thing, God. this is the thing that happened that like, because Eternals does not look like it was filmed in Atlanta on a soundstage because it was actually like out in the world. <laughs> they like went places. Oh my God. 
That's amazing. And apparently there's a story where Feige was like watching the dailies and <laughs> like asked Chloe Zhao how she got a, how, you know, what, what effects <laughs> they use for that. <laughs> she was just legit. Like, that's the ocean, my dude. <laughs> like, yeah, I just stuck a camera in front of it and hit record. <laughs> it's amazing. Anyway, got anything else? Nope. That's everything. All right. Speaking of rewatching things, friends, you will recall, um, in the early part of the pandemic circa this time, 2020, um, I managed my depression watching Vine compilations. Stop! I could have dropped my croissant! I believe in 2021, the new Vine compilation is just context-free jokes from Saturday Night Live that have been stitched together into 20-minute oh compilations. God. I love it. I have been <laughs> binging them. Is this an algorithm thing? Did they start coming up on your front page as well? Because they just started coming up on my front page. They just started coming up, and then, of course, I started watching them, and I actually legitimately find them funnier than most Saturday Night Live live episodes. I do find them somewhat funnier because I know most of the sketches they come from, but at the same time, when I realized by day three, my routine was going to work, coming home, eating something not really a real dinner, like, you know... Yeah, some instant ramen or do up, you know, a, a frozen pizza or something. And then, you know, watching these for two hours and getting up to go to bed and saying out loud, I am clearly depressed. Ah. <laughs> that's, that's how this is manifesting right now. <laughs> but if we can identify well, that, it, we can remedy it. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> I was just, just realizing, I was like, this is a really weird way to spend <laughs> spend your evening. Is but, it? Oh, I feel weird now. Okay, well, hey, Kate's, Kate's depressed too, y'all. <laughs> That's not a surprise. Uh, things are only going to get better. Uh, so I was babysitting a potato on the weekend uh, for someone cute. You know what that means? Uh, you watched all the cable. Uh, a lot of it. Uh, so I polished off Warrior Season 1 and got into Season 2 a little bit. Again, as always, the mantra of this show is why aren't you watching Warrior? Everybody should be watching Warrior. Just everybody just, should watch Warrior. Do it. I don't want to spend too much time on a lot of this stuff. Um, like Mayor of Easttown finale dropped. Full Broadchurch. Sad, sad, cathartic. <laughs> uh, is it cathartic though, or is it just sad? A little bit. Sad. A little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. Winslet had some trauma she had to face in her past. She did. Hooray! Hooray! Um, no, it was a, it was a great Winslet. Like just doing donuts on the lawn of that show for seven episodes was fantastic. Um, a little more Kimigori Orange Road. It's fine. It's a nice little chill hang. Gives me nostalgia anime feels. Um, I drifted back to Los Santos for a little bit. Bought the flying car Ooh. finally. <laughs> have, Very nice. I have a flying DeLorean. That's fun. Um, watched Wonder Woman 84. That was a mess. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I heard that it was pretty messy. I mean, Gal Gadot was still Gal Gadot, but I mean, like, yeah, it was... It was messy. It was hard to hard to really know what anybody's real like motivation for the villain was, or it's just it's just fun to hang out and have an invisible plane and have a, Lin- have a Linda Carter cameo. I mean, it's fine. Uh, other weird show I checked out. Uh, it's not really available in Canada yet. Yeah, um, but it will be. I think it's coming to Crave later this month. Is Girls Five Eva? Oh, yes. I've seen trailers for this. So this stars Sarah Bareilles and Busy Phillips and uh, Paula Pe- comedian Paula Pell. And uh, I don't know her name, forgive me, but she was uh, on Broadway in Hamilton. And it's about a failed 2000s era girl group who uh, gets a shot at newfound relevance when they get sampled by a mumble rapper. <laughs> oh, I don't remember. His, I don't remember his name, but 
Um, it's kind of in Tina Fey and her uh, partner produce it. I don't think they write on it, but they produce it. But it's kind of got that same Kimmy Schmidt, 30 Rock, jokes, 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 jokes all the time uh, right. energy. And it, oh, my God, if you did not think there was, if you have forgotten that there was a aesthetic to the early 2000s, oof. <laughs> Bringing it back to a they, mess. They nail it. Uh, the show is called Girls Five Ever because forever is five ever is longer than forever. Um, <laughs> I only watched a couple episodes. Uh, when it hits Craven, it's a little more easier to access. Not that it was terribly hard to access the way I watched it, but I mean, I'll probably check it out. Uh, it's only like eight episodes or something. Uh, Busy Phillips plays the one who married like a like a Ryan Seacrest type, and he's like never home, and she had to like buy a cameo for. <laughs> for him to say like hi to her or something because that's how absent he is from her life and she's trying to pretend that everything's fine busy phillips Amazing. is clearly the best character on there i she's I've been, busy phillips is just a national treasure to begin with so i mean i'll watch anything that that she's in uh, and the best part is that if you've never seen uh paula pell she's a smooth like 10 years older than the other actresses but she's supposed to be the youngest one and they just like <laughs> they just play it like it's normal um, so that was, that was the one kind of sitcom thing I watched. The other sitcom thing I watched that I want to talk about was something I heard, uh, I got on a reco from, uh, someone at major Canadian retailer and it clicked cause I had heard about it before, but never thought to watch it. And it surprised me. It's called the other two. Have you heard of this show? No. So this is by a pair of former, uh, SNL head writers. I don't recall their names. I don't recall the name of anybody who acts in it. Molly Shannon is like from SNL is the only person anyone might know but the premise when i heard it was it's about these two kind of you know directionless 20 to 30 somethings who are trying to deal with the fact that their younger teenage brother has gone viral as like a like beaver type figure oh this is ringing some bells called called chase dreams he goes viral for a girl, for a video called can i marry you at recess um amazing and when i heard the concept i thought it was going to be dark and mean kind of which is right. not not anything that would you know put me off of watching the show but just, i was gonna say would deter you <laughs> yeah. but i thought that's what it was going to be it's not that like it is very apparent that both uh the brother and the sister like care about him and want to protect him right and so when they get like it's one part like well can we kind of ride this a little bit because one's an aspiring actor the sister is like used to be a dancer had to retire because she got hurt and is now just kind of like doing nothing and ends up becoming his assistant. And it's like, can we ride this? But it's still at the core. Like they love their brother and want him to be okay. Um, right. It's, <laughs> it's pretty funny at times. And again, you want to talk about like aesthetics and nailing things. There's one episode where they do the thing where he, you know, he's going to go to a fan's middle school dance type of thing. You know, sometimes right. I, that, that thing happens and the theme of the dance is old Hollywood and it's like posters of the 40 year old virgin and mean girls. And cause that's old Hollywood for that hurts me for middle schoolers so deeply. Yep. And they, they knew it would you when they wrote to the go joke. Fuck yourself. <laughs> And they knew it would when they wrote the joke. Uh, so that's on Crave. Only one season so far. I think it's only like eight or ten episodes. Um, it's Again, it's pretty good if you just want that quick hit, like 21 minutes per episode. I think it was on Comedy Central, so I mean, it's even got room for commercial breaks. 
it's a it's a solid hang. I'll probably polish that off probably when I finish this podcast. Um, the last thing we got to talk about, Kate, I didn't know what's happening. Y'all, I didn't know okay. what's happening. I knew it was out there in the world. Oh I God. knew it, I knew it would drop one day. I didn't know when it would drop. Caitlin. Caitlin. Yeah. Yes. New waifu world game. Oh, God. Gonna lay back for the air horns on that. Friends, from the people who bought you Bang Dream Girls Band Party. Damn, son. We have D4DJ, Dig Delight Direct Drive DJ Groovy Mix. That is a lot of words. So many words. There are so many words. D4DJ, you can tell they were just like, what words start with D? (laughs) Uh, Dig, Delight, Direct, Delicious, use them all. Um, This is just... This is just the Bang Dream format, but with, like, electronic music. Make some interesting tweaks to the gameplay. It's hornier than I was expecting because it involves nightclubs to a certain extent. So they're not all college-age, but there are two groups that are college-age. And their artwork gets a little rough. I would not want to play the game in public. Don't sigh at me. I am sigh. I am sighing. I am sighing in your face. Don't, don't you sigh at me. It's funny because I had rem- I remember... The way these always go is they, like, announce the concept and then just start, like, holding, like, live performances with the voice actresses before they even have a concept or anything, right? Like, <laughs> like they're doing shows to announce it and they're singing, but they're, like, they don't, the costumes aren't finished. Like, they're just kind of, like, doing whatever. And I knew there was one. <laughs> I paused and, like, literally put my hand on my chest because the the, the horniest group is called uh, the Mermaid. And apparently the leader of this the actual actress playing the leader is a former AKB48 member who got the boot for dating. She dated Kate. There's so much about the world so, that that world in particular so that is awful and horrifying. So, so they, they, this is not surprising surprising they, to me. They fired her ass. <laughs> um she since moved, she, she since moved on to doing graver modeling and things like that. And apparently it was her idea to make it the sexy group. I'm not used for sexy to being in these things like at all. So when like they gave one of their performances, and I saw this like a year ago on YouTube, um, they gave one of their performances and the first dance move was for like the three of them to drop on all fours on stage. I was like, excuse me. <laughs> I do not, I do not come here for this, ma'am. Thank you. I have pl- no, Thank you. I just want it to be creepy. I don't want it to actually be sexy. Just creepy. I want to feel weird and then immediately exit out of whatever I'm playing. She is on fire today. Um, It's also interesting because they recycle a lot of the voice actresses from the other game. So, you know, to hear them doing completely different things is jarring. Um, But... What always sells it for me? The songs. Bang Dream was great because they had actual cover songs from anime and J-pop songs. Yep. Caitlin. Yeah. When I saw Out the Gate on this game, I could play the Loop in the Third theme, a remix of the Loop in the Third theme, and OG Sailor Moon. Ooh, you were you were like, that's it. It was a rap. <laughs> it was a rap, y'all. Um... Again, when it hits the grind, will it keep my attention? And which game is going to fall off? Because I currently have four of these games on my iPad, and I do not have the time. I've got SNL montages to watch. I don't have time to play four of these every day, so (laughs) I don't know which one's going to take the fall, but one of them probably will. But three is okay to you? Yeah. Not four, but three is fine. Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, my face hurts. My face hurts from concern. Well, I don't play Call of Duty. Like what? Is... It's true. As I as I mean, it's probably not the I, best thing I get, to, listen, to say. Listen, listen. Okay, stop right there for a second, because I guarantee you, I spent less time on these than you spent on Mass Effect in the past two weeks. As Chris and I often say to each other, at least we're not drug addicts and or gambling. <laughs> this is always so I say about records. There's always a justification. Like you can always find it. Yes, <laughs> that's all I have to say to that. Well, if that's all Caitlin has to say about that, then friends, I guess we will take a break right here. And when we come back, we will talk about the thing that I brought Caitlin. She's just chomping. She's over there. She's hungry. She's been, she been, she been hungry ever since, ever since the call started to get into some dark side of the ring. We want some wrestling talk, y'all. We'll get into that when we come back from this break. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we brought each other. Um, in this case, it was what Jordan brought me. But first, before we get into it, and boy, will we get into it, there are some rules. There are. First rule is the rule of three. If the thing comes in parts, you will watch three of them so the show gets a chance to become the thing that it's trying to become. But in this case, the, I did watch three parts, technically, but the show had a very good idea of what it wanted to do. Um, and it was a SmackDown. <laughs> um, it's an anthology show. I gave Caitlin, I gave Caitlin a curated selection, and I will explain why in a moment. But the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod, which is we will not talk about the things that we watched until we are sitting in front of these microphones, and that was extremely different. Apparently, I mean, the, the, sorry, so, let me do it again. That was extremely difficult. Apparently. Uh, because, because for reasons, which I will explain in a minute. Third rule, which isn't really rule, it's more of a policy, is that there will be spoilers, but this is historical, so can't really spoil it. <laughs> can't really, based on, based on, not even based, recounting true events. Yes, and but we will be speaking in depth about these, so if you want to be surprised, I guess... Don't you need to go? <laughs> go watch some wrestling. Go watch, watch this. Go watch it. It's good times. Get some popcorn. All right. So this is a thing that I had been watching on my own. I brought it up on the show before, uh, to varying degrees, when I was watching it, and that is Dark Side of the Ring. It is a Canadian documentary television series created by Evan Husney and Jason Eisner. It was produced by Vice Studios. And focuses on controversial subjects and events within the realm of professional wrestling. The series premiered on Viceland on April 10th, 2019. On July 23rd, 2019, it was renewed for a second season of 10 episodes, which premiered in 2020. And for season two, the series became a co-production of our favorite streaming service, Crave. Season three just dropped this month, or last month. So... Seemed like a good a time as any to get into it, and uh, frankly, I was kind of at a loss uh, to what to give Kate. Um, and I didn't know which episodes to give her, because they have done, it's an anthology, every episode focuses on a different sort of sordid tale of the many sordid tales that surround <laughs> the industry 
of professional wrestling. Some of them are very sad stories, like the Chris Benoit tragedy, and other ones are less tragic and just kind of interesting. And the three I picked for Caitlin, the one was more tragic than one story was more tragic than the other one. All three of them, I think, were very complimentary. It's not even comp- three of them because one was a two-parter, but I think both stories are very complimentary because they talk a lot about. To me, what makes professional wrestling the magical, frankly, which is the mm. the smudging and blurring of works and shoots, to use the parlance of the day. The work being, you know, the the performance and the shoot being the reality behind it and the, you know, backstage decisions and things like that and playing with an audience's expectations and around those things. So the stories I gave Caitlin were from uh, season three, the first two episodes about the loose cannon, Brian Pillman, the late Brian Pillman. And the second one I gave her, I don't know what order she watched them in, but was on the, uh, from season one, the most infamous event to my mind in the history of professional wrestling, the Montreal Screwjob from Survivor Series 1997. So mm-hmm. that is all I'm going to say about that and just seed the floor and let Caitlin go off on whatever subject she wants to <laughs> go in some i have realized that i like wrestling documentaries way more than i like wrestling real talk like at this point i watch more shit about wrestling than i do actual wrestling and i feel i kind of feel weird about it because if someone wants to talk wrestling i can talk about the things i've learned in the documentaries but i haven't actually i don't think ever watched a full show mm. i don't even think i've ever watched a full match um unless it was a really fast one and i feel i feel like this weird imposter that just like <laughs> reads the wikipedia articles about shows as opposed to watching them um but i fucking love this thing so much <laughs> i only watch these three episodes and and i know i'm not gonna i'm probably not gonna love all of them but I love these so much. Um, the first one, which uh, was the two-parter, was very sad. So, to yeah, to introduce that, yeah. uh, Brian Pillman was a, a very promising wrestler who worked for WCW in the World Championship Wrestling in the late 80s, early 90s. Most notably was a tag team partner with Stone Cold Steve Austin when he was stunning Steve Austin. Um, and infamously developed this persona where he came off kind of nuts and Mm -hmm. would do things that were heretofore thought undoable. Yes. Most, most infamously he uses the word booker on a live mic against like, he's wrestling this guy who worked as the booker in, in WCW, that being the person who, decided the outcomes for the match the guys who put them the guy who put all the matches on a card together and decided who won each each one of them and he's in a match with the guy who is the booker and i think had booked himself to win over pillman and pillman gets on a live mic on live tv and says i respect you booker man which was the first time that word had been heard by the general wrestling public and he would do things like that a lot to the point where he like uh, how do you even explain what he did 
where he like well, okay so it, it was it, that is that was the epitome of what you were talking before about the blurring of the line between what is real and what is not what is entertainment and what is reality um and what he did was to take this character and make and and siphon that energy <laughs> into that character and make this character you know the way that people talk about him was that when he did start doing this like insane persona people actually who knew him didn't know if he was actually going crazy or not because he wouldn't talk to them yeah he didn't talk to him out of character yeah um so it, it was it was really fascinating and it was really sad because they don't really maybe this is the socialist in me they don't really talk about this as much but there is as we know um an, an unfortunate part of wrestling in which you are a contractor mm. and really this might be controversial to say but wrestling doesn't really take care of you i don't think i don't think anybody who has you know well, no, because there's this idea that you're part of like they somebody says it like you're part of a secret brotherhood, right? Mm. But really, there's no, you know, um, if you if you die, you're not gonna get life insurance. It's just the money you make as a contractor, right. and, and and you can make a lot. And Pillman infamously yeah. leveraged that to basically convince the owner. Uh, or the president, the current, the guy who was running WCW at the time, to basically let him out of his contract so he could go make appearances other places and basically jack up his own value. Yeah. Um, and what people wanted to see and make appearances on other shows, kind of with this like gentleman's agreement that he would come back to WCW, but he didn't. He signed with the W. He signed with the WWF. Um, yeah. And kind of played both these guys against each other while while telling him it was part of the show that he was going to do this for his character. So he would come back to WCW and he just ended up, you know, Bischoff, the guy who owned, this is great now because Caitlin knows all these characters that like <laughs> that permeate wrestling fandom and history. So like Eric Bischoff was the guy who ran WCW and he denies it in the, in the doc. But the notion was that like he worked Bischoff to get out of his contract he never had any intention of going back to WCW. Although the documentary does kind of play it like Bischoff and Pillman were working again. The documentary does the same thing that Pillman used to do. Like you don't know yeah. what's Pillman, you did Pillman work no. Bischoff? Were they working together so he could get WCW to sign off on paying him more? Um, and they basically break down how, when he got both offers, what made more sense for him at the time. Um, yeah. And there was just, I mean, it was kind of, I remember when we, uh, you had me watch Enter the Dragon. Mm. Um, and I was talking about when you, you f I think it was Enter the Dragon, when you first see the guy who is supposed to turn into Bruce Lee. <laughs> and like initially you're like, oh yeah, he's good. And then you see Bruce Lee on camera oh, and game, you're like, game, oh my God. Game of Death, the one that he died during oh, the uh, production. Yes, of Game of Death. There we go. Game of Death. Sorry. Um, and and the, such a, the difference. And this guy has amazing charisma. Yeah. Just like you just don't want to take your eyes off him because you're going to miss some crazy thing that he does or some face that he pulls or something funny that he says. Like he 
was extremely intelligent. You could tell that. And he loved doing this. Um, and then the other part about not taking care of people is also, you know, he gets into this car wreck that is really his fault. Mm. Um, and thinks and there's there's no there's no health care right there's no he can't heal himself up as much as possible because a again there's there's no health care he wants to work and b he he had built this momentum and if he loses it there's a good chance he'll never get it back so he basically works himself to death yeah, right and they tried to uh, um, they tried to put him on commentary for a minute but as you know jim ross another character caitlin now knows um infamous you know legendary voice of the wwe at that time um they tried to put him in commentary but as ross says you know he saw that as a demotion it was not like that was not going to keep his heat and keep him you know as popular and as hot as he was when he was you know in the ring so he kept working matches as best he could with basically like a destroyed ankle he had like pins all through his ankle because he destroyed his ankle in this car wreck yeah and and so yeah, even when he was in pain, he was such a good performer as well. So, and then, and they also go in a lot into his family and that right, wife, that. <laughs> that widow. Woo! That was, that was rough. Oh, that was a rough hang. That part was really difficult. Um, you know, the fact his ex wife had committed suicide, they basically drove her to it. Uh, I mean, they said a couple times, you know, she had other issues. Even her kids said that, you know, yeah. she or her her daughter said, you know, she had other issues. But um, and like, oof, that was yeah. And and guys, don't do drugs, man. <laughs> for, don't for don't do what? drugs for real. Like, yeah, that that poor woman is a walking example of cocaine is a hell of a drug. Like, yeah, and possibly some other things, not yeah. just cocaine. Um, but yeah, it was just it was. I thought that that two-parter, that story, it was a like, great story, but I, I, I felt like it was a little messy. Mm. Uh, it wasn't as tight as it could have been. Right. Um, but I, I really wanted them to focus more on on him and, and more of the, I guess, his, his slow rise. I mean, they did go into it. I mean, that, it was, a, what, an hour and a half? Um, they had a lot to cover, I guess, but uh, I did... I didn't, it's weird. Not that I don't care about them, but I didn't want to see as much about his family. I didn't really care that much. Listen, um, maybe not, but I will say this, protect Brian Pillman Jr. at all costs. Oh my God. I want him to like, I need him to, to, to become very famous. He's, like he's doing him. all right. He's in AEW right now. He's in a tag team called the Varsity Blondes. He's, uh, he's doing all right. Yeah. And, and oddly, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm no, I'm no proponent of toxic masculinity. I got no problem saying it. How that boy make a mullet look that handsome? Right? I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, handsome usually, motherfucker. I'd be like, no, um, but I, he's he's definitely got some charm there, but I think he has to work on his delivery. Yeah, he's young. He's young um, still. Yeah. So, but anyways, so that was great. But we need to talk about okay for the, the Montreal Screwjob for the people who don't know anything about the Montreal Screwjob. I will say it very quickly. It basically involved, this was in the heat, the peak of the Monday Night Wars, where WCW and WWF, then WWF, were going neck and neck in the ratings. WCW was kicking the WWF's ass. It was the first time there was ever a serious threat to the dominion of Vince McMahon. And one of his top stars, he had two top stars, a guy named Brett the Hitman Hart, Canadian national icon, Brett the Hitman Hart, and the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. And they had a great chemistry together as opponents, but personally, 
hated each other. Um, and Brett was the champion and he was in an effort to cut costs. Vince asked out of the contract that he was paying Brett. So Brett's going to go to the competition, but he has to get rid of the belt. This is one of the most important things in the wrestling business. You have to get, you have to get the belt. You have to give the belt up if you're the champ before you leave. Everybody goes out on their back. That's the rule about wrestling. And it kind of seemed, and we could talk about Brett as a person, uh, in a, in a moment, I'm sure, but Brett did not want to lose to Sean because he didn't like Sean and he didn't want to lose in Canada. He just didn't want to lose if you're being yeah. real about it. Well, and oh, Go ahead. Okay, well, I was going to say, and also like Brett had signed this contract of what, one point, whatever million for some 30 years or something. It was it, 20, 10 or 20 years. It was a ridiculously long time. Yeah. Oh, I thought it, I thought he said thirty years. I was like, oh, it's so long. Maybe, maybe yes. Maybe I mean, ten years probably for makes rest, sense. For wrestling, it still was a really long time. Yeah. Um. And v- Vince McMahon was like, I can't pay you. And so like, he broke the contract. Which I mean, I understand. Whatever. Okay. Business acumen and Brett was like, okay, I understand. But I think at that point, even though it's the you know the rule. The fact that Sean is an asshole, Sean Michaels, which I truly, I've never even seen Sean Michaels, and I'm like, he's an oh, asshole. Oh man, that's that's a hell of an introduction. Um. um, and and the fact that that he broke this contract, I think they, anyways, I think they should have give let Brett do whatever he wanted to do, but whatever. Okay, continue. Sorry. So basically, the time on they talk about the, the time honored tradition, which is just everybody goes out on their back. If you're the champ and you're leaving, you lay down yeah. for the next guy who's going to have to carry the ball. That's just mm-hmm. the rule. But Brett didn't want to do this because he didn't like Sean. So basically what happens is they go out and do the match. And in the words of Marlo Stanfield, like, you know, Brett thought it was one way, but it was the other way. Yeah. And he thought he was going out. And the finish of the match as agreed upon with the people backstage would be one thing. And then they went out and did something else entirely without Brett's knowledge to get the belt off of him. And in that one moment, as Brett realizes what happened, it's not hyperbole to say it is the day wrestling's innocence died. That sounds so heavy-handed, but right. you still kind of believed in the show at a certain point. Like, I think Scott Hall, who's what a, what a fantastic character, uh, Scott Hall at one point says, like, nobody really knew that Vince was the owner then. He was doing commentary at the time. Like, Okay, okay. So... Before we get into anything else, so so, that, also, so, that, so that's the story. They that's, they they, that's, lie, they lied to Bret Hart, their then champion, to get the belt off of him before he left the company, and which is just oh, they, so it, gross. it was insane. So go ahead, son. This is probably a very eye-opening episode for you. So the first thing is, um, this is just documentaries in general. I know you know those people's names. You put them on for the thirty seconds when you introduce them. You can't put them on every time. I don't know who these people are, so I'm going to be using a lot of, like, the guy who wrote stuff and and didn't like the other guy. I'll, I'll so, fill in the gap. Excuse that, but really, I only know who Brett the Hitman Hart was and Sean Michaels. Special shout out to the one guy who appears on both episodes, and you got to see both sides of him. That being uh, Jim Cornette. <laughs> Who in the Pillman episodes is very demure and laid back. And in the Brett episode, you basically see him how he is, which is just a foul-mouthed, prickish, like, traditionalist about wrestling. He um, was the, the writer, right? The guy with the glasses. The guy with the kind of hype. Yes. 
I knew about this story because you had told me. Or you gave me something and they talked about it briefly. Right, right. So it was like, oh, okay, so this is ringing some bells. Um, this episode was amazing. Like, <laughs> senior correspondent Chris came in at one point and I was, like, telling him what was going on. And he, I don't think he cared. But I was like, and then this happened? And I'm like, oh, my God. Um, this was fascinating because wrestling, as I have found out, even behind the scenes, is where all of the characters have gone to die. Like, this is where they come and live out their lives and die in fiery glory. Um, things that stand out of the episode, uh, Jim Cornette talking about pissing on that other guy's grave. <laughs> Like, he, like you think the wrestlers really, are he, characters? He really doesn't like Vince Russo, y'all. Really does not like Vince Russo. My, I have never seen two people hate each other so much. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, you can't help but feel bad for Brett and you know his his career at um, WCW. Yeah, and exactly. how. Like they, the rollout of that wasn't great, and you can't f- help but feel bad for him at, you know, with what happened. I mean, it's not like he's. They mention it. They kind of mention it in the beginning of the episode where it's like, the problem with Brett and full disclosure, y'all. Brett was my guy. Brett Hart and the Undertaker were my two guys. I fucking loved Brett Hart as a wrestling fan in this era, he was just something about him. I love technical guys. I love guys who could like do reversals and like, you know, put on holds and, you know, slide out of something and put it into another, another hold type of thing. Like I loved guys like that. Brett's work still holds up to this day. So well, he wasn't like a high flyer or anything, but like his right. punches look great. He, he looked had a punch that just looked like money. Um, but as it's kind of said, you know, you're the, by this guy, Bruce Pritchard, who was a producer there at the time, he says, you know, like, you're the world champion because someone decided yes. you're the world champion. And Brett kind of has a little dissonance there where right. he, 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 think, he thinks he was, it was like, yeah. not legitimate, but like, you know, he kind of thought he earned it and like on his own and it wasn't based on someone else's decision type of thing, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so Brett's gotten a lot of flack over the years for being like the, you know, typical bitter veteran. And he's gotten better over the years. Um, he's suffered other tragedies that in his life that if you watch more episodes of the show, you will learn about. Um, but it's the Montreal screw job is always such a interesting story for the question of like, the fear also at the time, which the documentary doesn't mention, but it's come up on other things and is well known, is like it was savage during the quote unquote Monday Night Wars. Mm-hmm. And there was a thing earlier where the former women's champion of the WWF, now granted, nobody gave a shit about women's wrestling then. Like they had a champion, but she like never worked. I didn't even know she was the champion at the time. <laughs> she signs a new contract for WCW. And like when you're the champ, you carry the belt physically, literally, like it's in your possession. Um, she shows up at WCW with the WWF belt and throws it in the trash on live television. These things that would kind of make Vince look foolish had happened in the past. So the deathly fear was the possibility that Brett would take the belt to WCW and do something with it. 
because that's the like most you know the championship is the most like you know sacred item in the company like as much as brett says he would never do that out of the respect he has for the business and vince and all that stuff and he hold, he maintains that to this day there was no there was no way to know if he would so vince didn't really feel like he had a choice yeah i just anyways it was all very fascinating um the fact that these two wrestlers hated each other so much was fascinating. Of course, we don't get to see anything from Shawn Michaels, just that other guy. Yeah, so they do a, they do a good job. They get a lot of people who either were there. It should be mentioned, these are not made really with... I don't know how they get the footage, frankly, because someone would have to sign off on that. Right. They don't seem to really be made with the cooperation of the WWE. Um, but they do have a lot of footage that they use. Um, maybe it's just a cheap payday and they have no problem licensing the footage, but it's very, nobody who works really presently for the company. You're going to see a lot of guys who were there who now work in AEW or other places. Like you're going to see Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho narrates the series by season three. Um, you're going to see Jim Ross who works for AEW. Now you're going to see Eric Bischoff who doesn't work for anyone now. Um, but though they get good people who were there in the room, but it's not, you're not going to get everybody like the kids said. Shawn Michaels is not showing up for this. Stone Cold is kind of like an in, independent at this point, and he's a legend. So right. if he wants to show up to talk about Brian Pillman, he's going to like, nobody's going to stop him. But so it's not as complete as it could be. And the WWE has put out documentaries they've done with Brett and Shawn, like from four, four years ago, like they've mended right. fences to a degree. Um, I don't know where I was well, going Well, not anymore, because he talks about Sean blubbering like a baby. <laughs> and again, uh, again, this is this is kind of like the Brett self-myth-making as well. Like, when Brett tells the story, he is the hero among heroes. He punches Vince, Mc, Vince McMahon so hard he flies off the ground. Shawn Michaels is blubbering like a baby. Like, you know. Yeah. Nobody looks better in a Bret Hart story than Bret Hart. Like, <laughs> that's just... <laughs> And also, okay, so I think another, like, just, there's just, again, all these characters that you don't see, you won't see them working at, uh, like, an insurance company. Like, why are there not more shows about behind-the-scenes wrestling? I mean, no glow happened, but honestly, like, I don't understand how there hasn't been a TV show about wrestling, like, behind-the-scenes, like, a, a sitcom. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Um the the referee the referee mm -hmm. who like promised brett and even he totally admits it he's like i promised brett on like the life of my children <laughs> that i wouldn't call it and then he does and like he's got, just got to eat he's he's just torn up about this and as he says like if i didn't ring the bell vince would have and like but still like, and then he's like, my life has sucked ever since. They boo <laughs> me every time I, like, come into to into an arena. Like, it, that was fascinating. These two writers, Jim and Vince, who fucking hate each other. Like, this, like at one point, Vince is like, I'm not going to call Jim a liar. And then, like, in the next shot, Jim's like, Vince is the biggest fucking liar I've ever met. <laughs> um, I, I just, I... I loved all of this. And then, you know, even in the end, we, we talk about Brett and how his, you know, maybe, maybe not for this, maybe because of this. I, I don't know how to, I don't know enough about it, but basically going to WCW did not, was not the change he thought mm -hmm. it would be. But Vince McMahon using the fact that he'd come out as a heel 
as a thing to become a heel. Um, that's that's the second reason why it's the most like momentous moment to my mind in wrestling history. One, it's the like it's the moment the curtain came down, and you kind of saw what how it worked, like the mechanics yeah. behind it. And it's also the moment where you get Vince evolving into one admitting he's the owner of the company and giving this interview where he felt he had to address the issue. And I don't think he was working at that point. I think that's just Vince being a prick because you don't get to be Vince McMahon without being a bit of a prick. And, and then like that, they, that they chant asshole every time yeah, he like, and from that moment, the crowds hate him. And that morphs yeah. into this caricature, you know, Mr. McMahon, the evil owner of the company who starts feuding with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that's the most, like, lucrative and popular, red-hot popularity moment for wrestling in the history of the industry. Like, so without yeah. screwing Brett, you don't get Mr. McMahon, and if you don't get Mr. McMahon, you don't get someone for Stone Cold to feud with, you know? Which is the moment, who doesn't want to, you know, drop their boss on their ass at every given <laughs> opportunity? Everyone does. So you have Stone Cold Steve Austin, he's swilling beer, he's flipping off his boss and then, you know, punching him in the face. Who doesn't want to do that? Without the Montreal screw job, you don't get the, who knows how that would have played out. It wouldn't have played out like it did. So Right. And and that's and again, that's also uh fascinating, right? These momentous things that that had a different fallout than you would think and I, I don't know. I just I find it really, really interesting. I find it interesting the combination of athleticism acting natural charisma and also what the crowd wants too mm. that goes into wrestling like i find that dynamic the chemistry of it all super fascinating but actually watching wrestling i'm like no it's okay I'll pass. <laughs> it's fine yeah sometimes i love it when you like send me clips um <laughs> and like i love seeing certain like moves especially if they're really technical we know how much i love Prince Puma, uh, also known as a ricochet, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it was, it was a really good, like tight episode. And, uh, I definitely want to hear at some point, Shawn Michaels version of events. Anyways, I just, I, I find wrestling so fascinating. Um, and so I might, yeah, I might tune in. I, I'll need Jordan to tell me. There's three seasons. I well, need Jordan to tell me what to watch. So. Listen, I just saw on the Wikipedia page they're going to do an episode on the plane ride from hell, and that's going to be must-see viewing. Okay. <laughs> they were – imagine uh, a plane full of wrestlers who are fucking drunk and exhausted after a European tour on a transatlantic flight. Um, <laughs> imagine, this is going to have – Imagine the stories that are going to come out of that. <laughs> so many stories <laughs> yep can't wait for that one kate what are you giving it if you got to dole out kick punches um oh it's like uh from the three episodes like an eight eight point right. five bearing in mind it's curated i'll take it friends that's on crave check it out to your liking uh yeah there's some episodes are very sad and some episodes are just interesting so i mean read the synopses and see what you like and uh if you do let us know if you're now a new uh wrestling Aspiring wrestling historian like your girl Katie Mack on Twitter.com yeah. at GeekdownPod. And I believe that will do it for us. Friends, we didn't mention it at the top, but it's officially Opportune June. Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't realize until like half an hour before we were supposed to record. <laughs> it's Opportune June. It's Opportune June, y'all. 
I don't know how we're going to, ah. I don't know where, how we're going to work this in the single topic era, but we will, uh, we will figure it out. And, uh, yeah, if you've got recos for things you want us to go back to or things you can't believe we haven't seen yet, hit us up on the Twitter as well. And yeah, we'll get into that to round out, uh, round out the start of summer before, uh, July hiatus. And yeah. I think that'll do it for us, friends. Thank you so much for joining us with your time every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another amazing episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Afternoon. Pew, 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 pew. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I clicked on. I clicked on. Did you hear it? Did you hear the click? No, I didn't. Yeah! I'm going to this. <laughs> <laughs>